Hello, I'm Alex and this is the Northern Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode seven. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath and Chris. But today we are also joined by a very special guest. We've got Andrea with us, who some people might recognise her voice from episode 16 of the Geordie Guide. Uh, Hello, Andrea. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Alex. It's great to be here. How are you? Very well, thank you. All is good. All is good. We've had a few technical glitches this uh, this session, but we are we are getting there. Uh, it happens to the best of us. Computer says no moments, but we are here. <laughs> Kath and Chris, how are you? Not bad. Absolutely you. fine. Yeah. yeah. Glad the rain yes. stopped. Now, normally you love the rain, Kath, though. You're well, working in the rain. What's I think going on? Today there was a tiny bit too much of it, I think. Yeah. A tiny bit too much rain. Mm. It's just not stopped, has it? At least there's been no more hailstones, at least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Andrea, what have you been up to? Well, um, eating just ridiculous amounts of cake. Lots Sounds of, good to me. That's a good yeah. answer. It's a good answer, isn't it? It's mm. um, shop-bought cake, homemade cake, lots of birthdays and a big wedding anniversary. <gasps> so... Lots of celebrating and cake eating. <laughs> I don't think there is such a thing as too much cake, is there? I think it's all good, all good. I haven't discovered it yet. Got close to it. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some friends coming round this uh, this weekend for afternoon tea. Uh, I, I do like to bake and make stuff, so there will be lots of cake being eaten in our house this weekend as well. Glorious. So I'll, I'll join the club. Maybe Kath and Chris need to as well. Yeah, there's a bit of a difference between afternoon tea and cake. Oh no, this will be a cake afternoon tea. There'll be cake, big cake chunky is cake. Heavyweight stuff. <laughs> well, it depends on the cake. <laughs> oh, Chris, what about you? What have you been doing? Well, it, it's also been a cake-themed uh, week for me because on Saturday it was my niece's 18th birthday party. And we had a barbecue with cake. The cake wasn't barbecued. The cake was just... Oh, that's good. Right. It was, it was, that would not have ended well. No. I, I, but, I can do that. I can barbecue yeah. cake. Seriously? <laughs> My goodness. Well, we have to try that one out. Uh, but it just kind of made me feel pretty decrepit, actually, because I, I, I remember really vividly the moments where I first met my niece, Katie, you know, in the maternity ward. She'd just been born. And I'm pretty sure it was only last week. So... For her to be 18 now is just, I mean, enough, enough of this. <laughs> just, I hate slow to tell down you, a Chris, bit. It wasn't last week. <laughs> <sighs> I think you might be right. I think our guest interviewee for this week will appreciate all of the cake talk. Shall we introduce this week's guest interview? Let's do it. Okay. This week I talked to Amanda Gary, who is Lead Regeneration Officer for the Church's Conservation Trust. She talks to me about all sorts of things, including Zoom Free Fridays, which I could totally get on board with, the joy of camper vanning, which of course I could relate to, and the happiness she gets from working with a brilliant team at work. So enough of me talking. Here's my interview with Amanda. Amanda, a very warm welcome to the Northern Guide to Happiness. How are you today? Thank you, Alex. It's, I'm I'm great, actually. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's really good to be here. 
it's uh, it's Monday. We're recording this interview on a Monday, so it's the start of the week. Is there anything you're kind of looking forward to this week? Anything exciting <gasps> happening? Oh, do you know what? Today is the first day that we're allowed to go out and eat indoors. Um, I'm not particularly looking forward to that, but I'm looking forward to being able to go to an indoor gym class. So I'm going back to my gym for the first time ever tonight for an indoor class. So I'm going spinning and then Pilates. Um, it kind of feels a bit weird after nearly a year, but I am really looking forward to it. Yeah. Is that something that brings you happiness then, going to the gym and doing, doing your I think exercise? So. I think so for lots of different reasons one because it yeah it's definitely good isn't it to to look after your body and your mind and your soul and but I also think it's really good for your mental health it's um I could see a lot of people that I don't um that I only see at the gym so because I work from home a lot or from a train so it's just nice even if you know you don't you're not necessarily friends with these people it's nice to sort of say hello and people are really friendly and but also I think it gives you a little bit of structure to your week so because we work super hard and yeah. I think sometimes it's hard to to log off isn't it whereas if you know you've got a gym class at six o'clock you know you need to start work at half five get changed get up there and it just yeah it makes you slow down a little bit I totally agree I feel like I've been on autopilot the last few weeks like with various work things going on and yeah before you know it it's seven eight o'clock at night and you're still logged on whereas yeah in normal times in quotation marks <laughs> i'd be yeah heading to roller derby practice or yeah the gym or whatever but uh, there, there aren't those boundaries at the minute still i know it feels really weird to be going back tonight isn't it and it's uh, whilst i whilst i say the gym i'm not really a, a great lover of the gym weights <laughs> and that sort of stuff is but i really love the classes are just brilliant i love like the dance classes and the we've got an outside pool and and stuff like that so is i just think it's the fun things that you can do together and over lockdown I found that actually what I need is that um, I need people around me. I need stimulation and I need an instructor who's actually shouting, saying, like, come on, you can do this. Do it, do it, do it. (laughs) Yeah, because online sessions are just not the same, are they? You know, as we've had, you know, a really good app and all of the sessions have been online, but you can join in for like five minutes and then think, I've had enough of that. (laughs) Whereas if you're actually in the class... You've kind of got to get on with it and you've got, you know, you've got to got to do the best of it. So make the best of it. So, yeah, no, I am. I'm looking, I, I suppose I'm just looking forward to going back to those classes. You know, there's six to eight people in each class and you just, you go there for 45 minutes and I kind of feel like it's getting a little bit of me back. Mm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that this week. So, oh, well, let, um. me, let me know how it goes. Let me know how painful it was. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, will do. I oh, will do. So, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, um, and then I was going to say the the other thing I'm looking forward to is um, not this week, but potentially next week is our first ever site meeting back mm. on site. So for the last year, we've been doing Zoom site meetings with lots and lots of different um, you know professionals from the project team. So it's pretty hard to do on on Zoom sometimes. So I know there's a bit of a Zoom etiquette, but it's hard not to speak over the top of each other or or to have those lengthy silences and um, so it'd be good to go back on site with the whole of professional teams i'm looking forward to that but that might be next week rather than this week 
it's incredible actually isn't it how you know what a difference in person versus online meetings can be I, I've had a few online meetings recently and the productivity was just completely different compared to exactly what you've just said there you know that whole etiquette of trying really hard not to talk over each other on zoom or teams or whatever it is that you're using um it's really uh, really different it is yeah. it's, it's quite bizarre actually you know alex i feel it's a bit like a a seance it's a zoom meetings it's like is anybody there <laughs> anybody there can you hear us can you hear me do you know it is it's a bit like a seance isn't it it's just so funny and and i think people actually forget that um you know you're still a professional <laughs> and uh, forget some of the things that you just take for granted if you're in the office you know you don't don't pick your nose or uh, you know just oh stand up and you're in your pajama bottoms and it's just kind of <laughs> and you know whilst I've really missed people actually some of those things really make me chuckle and I, and, I, and I feel like it's definitely still a place for zoom and and, and I would miss that I would miss that um you know, those just little nuances where people just kind of forget that they're not actually in the office having a meeting. Because our head office is in London, so, you know, you've got to get dressed to go down there on a train or else um, you might get a few <laughs> <laughs> sort of weird looks. <laughs> you turn up in a onesie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would definitely be a northern thing. <laughs> oh, I couldn't just do that, actually. I think that would really cheer everybody up, so... I remember in the early days of all of this sort of lockdown working from home, there was that uh, example of that person. Had they turned themselves into a potato or something <laughs> on their on their video conferencing and then couldn't work out how to change themselves back? <laughs> how to change it off, definitely. Oh, it's funny. I still think there's definitely... I mean, for me, it's, um, you know, loads of people hate Zooms and I've made it uh, a bit of a personal thing now. I have a sort of a no Zoom Friday because I just think it's, you need at least one day where you can't just have back-to-back meetings because they're exhausting but um i think it's definitely still a place for for zoom meetings i mean um we're literally based all over the uk so collectively getting together sometimes to discuss things is just it can just be a real pain so um it'll save us time money effort and energy sometimes but there's definitely there's definitely nothing better than getting together with your colleagues over a cup and a yeah. bit of cake and trying yeah. to solve problems that way so yeah Zoom free Fridays sound good. Have you noticed any kind of improvement to your well-being then from trying that out? Is it absolutely? Yeah, honestly, has because I think is because um, you know we have shared diaries, so literally anybody can <laughs> can put a, a meeting in your diary, and um, I think it's like anybody, like you know, we're all busy, but is generally. When you go from one meeting to the next, you're traveling either in your car or you're walking or you're cycling from one meeting to the next. And you give yourself a little bit of thinking time mm. um, to digest what's just been said, maybe to action a couple of the things that you said that you would be responsible for and to get your head into where you're going next. So because um, for me, every day is completely different. Every minute of every day is completely different. I don't just work on one project. So could literally go from a project that's about conservation to something that's about looking at consultation or interpretation mm-hmm. so it's really hard to switch between the two um, and I think that's been the hardest thing with Zoom is you literally can come off a call yeah. at five to one and be back on a call at, at one o'clock so the no Zoom Fridays have been brilliant just gives me a bit of thinking time because you think about what's happened in the week Think about what the next week's going to be. And also to try and get through that really big meeting uh, 
to-do list. So yeah, definitely. I think it's when we're having Zooms, literally, um, this person shall remain nameless. So it's a Zoom at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon. So three till half past four. And you come away from that thinking, oh, I need to spend an hour to get this stuff done. And then and you don't Friday. finish it. And it's Friday <laughs> and you don't finish it. So it plays on your mind on a Saturday. And, and you just think, oh, well, I'm not going to do it because it's me day off. But you end up, I don't know, say six o'clock on a Sunday night thinking, I just need to log on. I just need to kind of do that stuff because you know you're going to start again on a Monday. So so definitely, no, honestly, no Zoom Fridays. It's just the best thing ever. Oh, maybe I should try it. I've, I think I'm, I'm everybody should try, try it. it. And I've heard, I think you know, everybody should try it. have tried it. Oh, so no Zoom, no Teams, no nothing. They're like, oh, no Zoom, can we do Teams? Uh, no, <laughs> no <laughs> online meeting <laughs> Fridays. <laughs> no digital Fridays. So yeah, definitely recommend that. Everybody should try that. Sounds good. That's that's one uh, that's one tip from Amanda today. Then no yeah. Zoom Fridays. No Zoom Fridays. So Amanda, just for the the people listening, could you maybe just introduce yourself? We've been chatting on for the last sort of ten minutes or so, but not actually said who you are. Could you just introduce yourself for me? Oh, of course, Alex. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so I'm Amanda Gary. I work for the Churches Conservation Trust as the lead regeneration officer, and I am predominantly a, a project manager. So this means sort of like many things depending on what day of the week it is. So, But the Church's Conservation Trust is very much like the National Trust is we have a um, collection of historic sites. Um, we're just a wee bit smaller with a smaller team. So mm. at the minute we look after 353 grade one and grade two star churches that are no longer used for regular worship. I work for the regeneration team and our job is to look at uh, new uses for some of our problematic sites. So an extended use, I think, is the easiest way to sort of explain that. And we look at the churches um, in a very holistic way. So from viability, so right at the beginning, sort of looking at ideas with the community or um, people who are interested in coming in partnership with us about reusing the churches, not just for the small worship and congregations that may remain, all sorts of different different uses, so cultural, arts, mental health, anything really. So no day is the same, um, and it's the best team in CCT <laughs> to be part of because no day is the same. And why is the team such a good team? Does your team make you happy? Oh, our team makes me super happy. It's, um, we're a tiny team. There's only eight of us. We're spread all over the UK. It's full of the most amazing, intelligent, compassionate, caring people who all just want to do the best job that they can to conserve for these beautiful historic spaces so that they're still here and for, for future generations to enjoy and um it's one of the best teams that I've ever worked for. Everybody has each other's back. Um, you know, if you come through a particularly busy period, there's always somebody who will be, can I help? Is there anything I can do? I don't know what it is about them. And I think the interesting thing for me is I kind of fell into this job, into this role. And I always, before this, I don't think I would ever have had a job in the heritage world. I don't think I would ever have seen myself in the heritage world, really. We've got architects, we've got archaeologists, we've got conservation managers, we've got people from a business background, consultancy background, we've got somebody from libraries. 
and then me with no heritage or cultural experience whatsoever. <laughs> but I think is I know it's quite mad. But I think is because our our team has such a myriad of skills, it just seems to work. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. And I, and I think is CCT are very um very good at at taking a chance on people and employing the right people at the right time to do particular projects. So um, who would have thought? When I first applied for this job, and I should tell you that story because it's quite bonkers, but I would be still here in the organisation eight years on doing something that I love every single day. Well, go on then. You have to tell us the story. Oh, it's just, I mean, it's not really that interesting. So, but uh, up now. I know, I know exactly. So, well, it's always not really that interesting. I, just, I, I um, so I started my career as a as a wren in the Women's Royal Naval Service. So I served in the uh, Women's Royal Naval Service from a long, long line of um, naval service for eight years. And then um, I moved to Sunderland when I was expecting my first child in the hope that my parents would help with childcare, but didn't actually materialise. <laughs> <laughs> and they have since moved back to uh, my hometown of Somerset. So <laughs> probably to get away from the children, the grandchildren. But... Um, but I kind of fell into um, doing some voluntary work for the, in the in the voluntary sector in you, and and then eventually, after sort of uh, twenty years, I found myself managing all the youth projects uh, across the city, Sunderland, and um, so I've been doing that job for about eight years. And I found out I was going to be made redundant, and uh, our chair had said at that point, um, I think I was sort of mourning in his office at the point, and said at that point, he said, "Oh well, you know, you haven't had an interview for the last eight years." I feel like you should apply for a job and get some interview experience because then when a job comes up that you really want, you'll be more confident. Good advice. Like, yeah, good advice, exactly. So he was like, there's a job going at the church across the road, literally across the road from the youth, the youth project. And I was like, okay. So I applied for it. I got shortlisted. I read all the stuff about the Church's Conservation Trust. And, um, and at the time, I remember my sort of girlfriends um, all saying, seriously, like, I, I really can't see you working in a church and uh, what's attracted to you and I was just like oh well you know it's a manager's role I just thought I'd give it a go I think I'll have a bit of experience for when a job comes up and the interview wasn't even that great well I didn't think it was great and literally I was out of that interview for about about two hours and they rang up and said would like to offer you the job and I remember saying is you're kidding right seriously <laughs> like have you got the right person but they were like actually yeah is we went into the interview it's funny because um later on we'd had this conversation with the with the manager and head of hr and they said actually we'd gone into the interview thinking we really want somebody from this background although obviously we shortlisted you and thought these are some of the skills we want and then during the interview we realized actually maybe it's time we had somebody completely different in our team from a completely yeah, different yeah background so um so yeah so that's how I ended up up there so but it's it's pure fate I think Alex isn't it how you end up in places is if I hadn't been pregnant with my first child so I was living in Edinburgh at the time with my husband if I hadn't been pregnant with with Emma at that time is I don't think we would have moved to Sunderland at all I think Mm. my husband's a Londoner so we potentially would have moved further south and it's it's just weird because um i feel like i've come full circle now because when i first applied for this job for the the church i was just sort of merrily going away along on my little project you know finding out a little bit about the history of the church consulting with people and um my favorite room in the whole of the church is the old library it overlooks the churchyard straight across to this beautiful old historic building i've absolutely no clue what it was at all 
must have been there about six months and I decided I would have a bit of a walk around. Anyway, it's the old Sunderland old boys orphanage. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. And I remember going home and talking to my dad about, about this beautiful old building and then that made me go for a couple more walks. And I went for a couple more walks with him looking at all the old, beautiful old buildings that surround the church in old Sunderland. And I always knew that my dad was from Hendon. So my dad was from Hendon. He was in the Navy based in Yeovil, met my mum, fell in love, had a baby, you know, as you do. So, um, <laughs> and then um, when I was in junior school, we moved back to Sunderland. So I'd always known he was from Hendon, but hadn't really taken an interest in his sort of yeah. heritage or history, you know, as you do you when you're younger. You don't really, yeah, exactly. Nah, you don't, do you? you don't. But walking around with my dad, I was absolutely fascinated to know that my granddad was actually in the orphanage. Oh, so, really? yeah. My granddad was actually in the orphanage and then and we, we sort of ended the which we can come back to, but I sort of ended the tour with the tour of the church. Um this was before we started any restoration works on it. And um we were looking at the war memorial and my married name, obviously my maiden name was completely different. And my dad was like, Oh yeah, there's a relation, there's one of our relations on the war memorial, so the first world war <laughs> war memorial, which is really spooky. And I think it's, it's so weird, you know, because I'm not a Christian. You know, I don't actually know what I believe in, but I'm not a Christian, but I appreciate the buildings and why they're there. But I think from the first minute I stepped into Holy Trinity Church, there was just something really special about it. And now I know why. It's because I have a family connection. So um, not only do I have a great, great grandfather whose name's on the plaque for the First World War is, but my granddad, who I was so close to, was actually brought up in the orphanage across the road and he would have come to Sunday school in Holy Trinity Church. Mm. So it's it's quite bonkers. It was meant to be. I think it was. Honestly, yeah. I do. I think it I think it was. Meant meant to be. It's it's mad. And it, and it, you know is um I think that's one of the things that's so brilliant about this is the job that we do. Because you and I both work in heritage, but in completely mm. different roles. It's, so I'm the project contracts manager. So I'm, you know, I should we get the sack for saying this? I'm, I'm responsible for being on time. Say and it on, anyway. <laughs> well, my whole remit is to be on time and on budget. Well, that's not happening because of COVID. So we're over budget and a year over time. But. Um, but yeah, but that's my sort of only remit. So you think it's that's just about the building work and making sure the contractors are doing their job and, you know, the designs are correct and all the subcontractors and supplies are there at the, at the right time. But I think it's more than that. It's is yes, there's some pride and happiness in the restoration of the place, the building. But the thing that makes me really happy and makes me smile every day is about the people who are associated with that place. So all of the stories that I found out about people, everybody that come into the church, you know, they, can, they instantly can remember generations ago who yeah. some sort of association and they tell you that. And I think for me, having that personal connection has just made it a bit more personable and, and I get it now. I get how emotive these places can be. So, yeah. This probably sounds like a completely silly question to ask now then, but does your work make you happy, Amanda? Most of the time. (laughs) No, I think it does. No, definitely. Most of the time. I think um, anybody that's working in 
conservation and heritage that says that they're not, you know, that, that it doesn't make them happy. You're just, yeah, I think it's quite bonkers. Is mm-hmm. we're privileged every day. I get to go in a building that's over three hundred years old. I get to see architecture up close and personal. I get to read archival documents that were written three hundred years ago that are just fascinating. Is I remember one of the best days I've had is actually with you. Um, mm-hmm. We went to Durham uh, Records Office and looked at some of the old archives from 300 years ago written in that sort of beautiful copper script and trying to, I remember trying to unravel some of that text. And <laughs> <laughs> that was, I don't think that made me happy, but um, just <laughs> being able... It did, it did. But I think just being able to be part of somebody's life it's like a little glimpse isn't it it's like it's so much better than reading a book because it wasn't edited so i remember these were the minutes of the vestrymen's mm-hmm. meetings that, that you and i were reading and um they taken the vestrymen had taken meticulous minutes uh, way back from sort of 1719 for 150 years about their meetings and some of them are truly boring but there was there's just some snippets some real of nuggets yes yeah, yeah nuggets genius and yeah yeah Definitely. And I think it, it it's where else do you get where else do you get that opportunity to be up so up close and personal? It's um and there's real perks of the job. I mean, um our contractor are also restoring Seaton Delaville Hall. Um and on Friday just gone is I actually got to go to Seaton Delaville Hall with the contracts project mm-hmm. manager. Yeah, I did, I know. And um, and have a look around. So it's still a hard hat area inside. It's obviously not open to the public, but I got to have a look around and see some of the conservation work up close and personal. So it feels like a treat, really, every day. You talked there about going to Seaton Delaville Hall, getting behind the scenes. Have there been any standout moments for you during your work on Holy Trinity Church? Any standout happy moments or joyful moments? Yeah, there's a few really, Alex. Sometimes it's the smallest things that make you Mm. really happy. I think think it's sometimes it's about learning something new. So I'm always trying to learn something new. So I'm like a little butterfly, just sort of fluttering about <laughs> on site. What you doing is, can I? Can you explain this to me? So um, I think um, one of the things that's made me really happy just lately is way back at the very beginning of the project, um, we had some expert paint samplers come and take some samples from all of the different paint surfaces um, across the church, trying to look at the historic paint schemes. So because we're actually uh, refurbishing and actually painting the inside of the of the church. So um, and we want to be as historically accurate as we can. Um, yeah. And this is quite this is quite mad. Is one of the things that made me really happy was seeing these paint samples come back so they take a little slither and they put it on a on a, on a glass slide and under a microscope and they what what's great is they're able to determine the um, not just the colors of the paint but um from the layers but um the date date the paint so for example in the nave there are 19 different schemes of paint from 1719 which was sort of a dark brown dark red dark green and blue so you can imagine this was built just after the Reformation. Really quite a sort of a dark space. I say quite dark, yeah. Yeah, but sort of offset by these sort of beautiful big 
large window. So it was a really, really dark space. And then obviously over time, um, that paint scheme has got louder and louder. So sort of a bit later in the 18th century, we've got a palladium um, colour scheme. So, you know, some of the cornices are sort of picked out in in gold, but um, not gold leaf, so gold paint and really quite hideous at times. And and so there was a major restoration in 1935 and then... We thought that a lot of the paint scheme would have been lost. We thought a lot of it was sort of scraped off and covered by this sort of hideous white colour with an orange ceiling that matched the orange carpet, which was... Oh, my gosh. Which was not happy at all. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I think we were pleased to discover that um, a lot of the the original paint schemes were still there. So we've gone for... um, So we've we've chosen a a combination between uh, schemes three and scheme four, sort of a bit of a sort of a midstone colour so we painted the the, the nave I think it, that happened about three two three months ago painted all of the nave in this sort of stone colour and I was like mm, not quite quite sure that's right it just needs something else just a little bit else the windows were then fitted and it just looks perfect mm-hmm. um, so that made me really happy I was quite sort of expecting the whole space to be that one colour, including this magnificent chancel arch that we've got at the front of the at the front of the church just before the stained glass window. Until I get um I got a phone call from the site manager saying, Can you please come and have a look at this? We've um we've taken the, the, the top layer of the paint off, ready to brush off and repaint, and we've discovered that there's an original paint scheme underneath that hadn't been picked up by any of the samples. Because obviously you, 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 your research is only as good as where you take the sample from. Um, and we've discovered this sort of beautiful uh, paint scheme. There's a bit of it left, not all of it left. So, so that made me really happy. So <laughs> just to see just a little bit of this sort of really early 18th century um, paint scheme in detail. And what we've decided to do, we looked at it from a conservation perspective but also from an operational perspective because the space is going to be used for all sorts of different things and so you're going to have this beautifully painted nave and then this historic paintwork that looks like it's some of it's flaking and we've decided that we're going to keep all the historic paintwork that's at, that's at the top because it's part of its story so that makes me really happy not all restorers and conservationists do that so for mm. for, for lots and lots of reasons but um, but I'm glad we've been able to retain some of its original paint so yeah that made me really happy so we've touched on happiness at work. When you're not at work, what sort of things bring you happiness, Amanda? Uh, I think the simplest things, Alex. So I think we're all really busy at work. And I try, it's really hard to get that balance right. So I it like is. to work hard and play hard, but with the people that I care about and love. So I think for me, being happy is being surrounded, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, but just surrounded by friends and family people who really care about you so yeah I think we you know you go through life and you can have loads and loads of mates but you can have a handful of friends and then not everybody in your family but the other family that you really connect with that you want to do things together so eating out together whether that's in the rain <laughs> and a barbecue when you're allowed just six people because it's lockdown or um, uh, we holiday together believe it or not with our children and their partners and my sister and the girls. So I think, um, and it's the little things while we're together. It's it's telling stories, it's joking, it's walking. I love to walk. I love to walk in the lakes. The Dales is my favourite place. I think my Dales is my happy place in the UK. 
Um, it's a lot quieter than the lakes. Um, weather seems to be better. Um, I think it's the simple things. Is I like to read. Yeah. I love to sew. I've got a during lockdown, my lovely husband uh, converted one of our bedrooms into a sewing room. That makes me really, really happy. So mm-hmm. just pottering, sewing, I think making anything. So I'll have a go at anything. I did have a, I did take a course in millinery in um, in lockdown. It's like an online course. So And I've discovered that's just not for me. Yeah. Millinery, calligraphy, neither of those things am I any good at at Don't all. Rock your but boats. Okay. <laughs> no. And stained glass making, actually. I love the process of stained glass, but actually trying to make some of your own. I'm not very good at soldering, so but sewing, sewing, crochet, embroidery, anything like that. I'm I'm happy. Yeah. So when you think of the word happiness then, what do you think of? <sighs> what does it mean? Is it a word you're comfortable with? That's a really hard question. I think if you'd mm. asked me this previous to lockdown, I would have said, yeah, I'm really happy. Is I've got a full life. Is As I say, work hard, play hard. I've got, you know, the time and energy to see friends and family and, and, and be spontaneous, I think. That's happy, happiness to me, I think, is being spontaneous and just being able to meet up with people, uh, do things without any sort of thought. Yeah. During lockdown and the pandemic, I think happiness is, I don't know, I, I think it's taken on a completely different meaning. I think happiness can be a mask for some people. So I'm always happy. You know me. I'm always laughing. <laughs> I'm always happy. And, and I think if you're quiet... People think that you're not happy. I think actually is, I am happy. I'm just a bit more contemplative now is um, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to make space to be happy. I don't even know if I'm making any sense really. No, no, you are. No, that makes perfect sense. I think, um, and also I think, I think when you're a happy person, everybody expects you to be happy around everybody and yeah, you're always the one who organises nights out. So, because you're happy, you want everybody else to be happy. You're always the one who organises holidays and girly get-togethers and and family meals. And I and I think um, because people are busy and you make excuses for them. I think during lockdown, what I've realised is that um, I don't want to be happy all of the time, actually, and I don't want to be that go-to person. It is okay to be unhappy, and it is okay to take that time for yourself to acknowledge that you don't need to be happy every minute of every day but you do need to try and focus on some other stuff that makes you happy does that even make any sense i don't i don't i don't know what to it's a weird question alex what makes you happy one of the things i've done during lockdown that's made me really happy is i purged people on social media so i had like 693 friends or something like that and i was thinking these people are not really my friends do they really interact with you? They like your posts. Uh, some of them don't speak to you for forever. Like once a year on your birthday, go, oh, happy birthday. And half the time I think, well, who are these people? I haven't spoken to them for <laughs> like a whole year. <laughs> How do these people make me happy? Mm. And I think um, just having that purge on Facebook has made me sort of assess the people that I want in my life. Is And these are the people who really care about you, the people who would give you the last two pence, the people who... But it's three o'clock in the morning and you were feeling a bit down and you picked up the phone to them, you wouldn't have to say a word. They'd be on a train or a plane or a bike or in the car and they'd be there no matter what. 
Um, Maybe that's what happy is. Happiness, maybe, is being confident enough to not be surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people, just making sure that your sort of social network and your, your circle is one that's supportive and kind and caring and gives you the space to be you. Yeah, I think maybe that's what happy is. I like that, yeah. And I think you're right. There is that kind of um, that expectation. I don't know where the expectation comes from, but that perception that, yes, you, you must have hundreds of friends on Facebook or whatever social media it is that you're on. But actually, you just you just need a handful. You and do? You know, I, I've got a little chat um, of, you know, there's, there's four of us in this chat and we talk every day. And it's often just nonsense or it'll be, you know, what have you been up to or how are you feeling? Um, and that's that chat is one of the things that's got me through these last sort of 12, 18 months or so, uh, rather than the hundreds of friends I've got on social media. Yeah. Um, and they're not friends, though, are they? And I think is I think as you get older, I think it's must be really young to be a young, really hard to be a young person sort of growing up now, especially in a pandemic but with sort of social media and you know i'm not a digital native at all technology scares me i can hardly get my microphone working for today so it's a... <laughs> but i think it's um i think as you get older you kind of realize that it's not as important to be liked as and it, it's those things don't make you happy you know sort of like having all those likes on facebook and having uh, you know people going oh i love it. i love your new soul for oh my god i love your dress that kind of just doesn't make you happy yeah no oh, you're right it's about it's about the little thing do you know what's made me really happy in 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 um in lockdown is i live in a cul-de-sac full of really lovely old people i live in a bungalow so we're the youngest ones here but that's fine because it's our forever <laughs> it's our forever home and um you know they're all really they're, they're all really lovely super supportive when we moved in but um during lockdown um they would sort of we would say hello to each other and i would pop around and say do you, do you need any shopping in that but wouldn't see them as much as we had before and i realized that actually we all live in this little cuddly sack in our bungalows because maybe families live quite a long way away so we started a little whatsapp group i started a little whatsapp group which was very uh technical for me and went around and got everybody's phone number and it was lovely setting everybody up on WhatsApp group. But honestly, there's like it's absolutely lovely. Every day there's somebody sending a joke or just checking in and um, you know, one of our neighbours is just is, is getting a puppy, so she's been sending pictures of the puppy as it you know, when it was born and then as it's sort of developed and it's like nearly ready to come away from its mum and welcome it as the cul de sac puppy and uh, <laughs> Archie he's gonna be called. So um but just really connecting with people. It's not we don't talk about anything highbrow. We don't talk about anything academic. We don't even really talk about TV. We're just like, it's what's happening in your world. How are you? It's just, and it, it's just so simple, but it's just so nice to connect to people without any agenda whatsoever. Just somebody checking in to make sure that you're kind of okay. Yeah. That's what Good matters, banter. isn't it? Yeah. yeah just yeah. banter. It is. And, and I think the other thing is as well is you're right. It's about you don't really need all of these friends because really they're mates. Is it's it's um, I think for me is I've learned is you don't have to have your friends around the doors. Is some of our really good friends and uh, people I've made through work who've now moved on and because of the very nature of our work, they live. A really good friend lives in York. A really really good friend who lives in Soham. Um, and and keeping up those relationships are things that make me happy. It's not easy. It's really not easy, yeah. but um, 
here's another top tip for you. One of the things that we do, especially my friend from Soham, is we try and have weekly breakfasts or like a virtual breakfast. So we, um, I introduced her to, <laughs> I don't know whether this is a northern thing or not, but I introduced her to overnight oats when she came up to stage. She's like, I love these. So we make overnight oats the night before we're going to have our Zoom breakfast. Not on a Friday, of course. <laughs> and uh, we have breakfast together for an hour, just sort of eating breakfast and having coffee and just catching up before yeah. work, which is, that makes me happy. That sets me up for the day, so. So there we go. We've got two tips from you already. We've got Zoom-free Fridays and, and breakfast with friends. Yeah, so virtual breakfast with friends. Virtual so. breakfast. So any more kind of pearls of wisdom, hints, tips for positive well-being? Do you know what? Do you know what is? My sort of third tip would be, and again, I think this comes with being older, is not to be afraid to say no. <sighs> that I magic think, word. Well, it is, isn't it? Is I think is definitely the more you do and the better job you do and the more things you do outside of work, so voluntary things, the more is expected of you. And the more things you get to do in work and the more people feel free to ask you to just do this and it can really and you want to because you know you being a good neighbor being a good friend being a big sister being a good mum it's in you it's, it's in your psyche isn't it that you just you say yeah yeah of course I'll do that and then you end up with no time to yourself whatsoever I always say you need a day in between Saturday and Sunday because weekends are just not long <laughs> enough. You spend they're, they're really not. <laughs> they're not at all. Eh? You just spend Saturday sort of doing things for everybody else that you've not had time to do during the week and then Sunday catching up on housework and shopping. So definitely do. But the, the older you get, the older certainly me, is the better I've got at saying is, and not necessarily no, but um, I can't do that quite now, is mm-hmm. um, or not today because I'm actually doing this and being a little bit more selfish and one of the things in lockdown that's enabled me to say no at weekends is we bought a camper van <laughs> i bought a camper van i know <laughs> it's uh just a stealth camper van not not as cool as your camper van but uh mind these things are difficult to get hold of so puppies and camper vans are the new sort of trendy <laughs> yeah. things and trade people. Oh, yeah, definitely. And supply. And lime plaster. Lime plaster. It's holding up my job. We can't get any lime plaster. But um, these things are just so hard to get hold of and sort of trebled in price. Just absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah, Rich and I bought a camper van. I think our children thought we were going through some sort of, like, midlife crisis. But um, No. Well, no, definitely. But because they're expensive and it's sitting on your drive... You think, well, I don't really want it to just sit there all weekend. Maybe we'll just go out and let's just stay over. And um, so we started off doing, um, we use it as a day van, which I really like. So if we're going to the Dales just for a walk, um, there's nothing better than just going off really early in the morning in the van, going for a walk, being soaking wet. Because, yeah, well, if it's in the lake, it's going to be soaking anyway. But sometimes (laughs) come back and you've got boggy feet. Make yourself a cup of tea, have a bit of cake, um, sit in the van, put dry clothes on. It's absolutely brilliant. You can't do that in a car. I mean, you could not get changed in a car, could you? Out of wet, wet walking trousers and work shoes, and people would be looking at you as if you were weird. But then, and we started sort of um, now. This sort of sites have opened up a bit more because we don't have a loo or a shower. So now the sort of sites have started opening up more. We've started going away just just one night at a time, and so many places to explore in this country is. Um, you know me, I'm always on holiday whenever I can. So I so. know, all the time. <laughs> not really. Not. <laughs> well, not for the last not for the last two years, so but but no. Well Richard's retired, you know, so is uh, Richard's retired and 
wants to travel the world and, um, you know, we're always away and I'm always dragging him in historic buildings to have a look around. But, um, yeah, one of the things we've sort of discovered this year is there's just so many amazing spaces still to look at in the in the UK. And um, although they're a lot more busier. We've got a few camping trips booked. Most, yeah, mostly staying local, but I just cannot wait to get away. So, uh, yeah. I, 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 if anybody could get hold of a camper van, I mean, I don't, I, they are really quite hard to get. That's where the other top tip is. Maybe just, yeah, beg, borrow or steal one. But it's it's um, it's nothing better, is there, Alex, than sort of waking up in the morning to the, you know, and having a bacon butty outside or, or, or sitting, you know, late at night when the campsite's quite quiet, just looking at the stars, especially if you can get, go get to somewhere in Northumberland where there's dark skies. It's just... It's just amazing. I haven't tried wild camping yet, though. I'm not sort of that that brave yet, so I don't really want to be asleep and then have a knock on the, <laughs> on the windscreen by the police saying, it's right, we really need to move on from here. Camper vans are not allowed to camp on the road. But, um, but yeah, that, 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 that's been really helpful. And I think for Richard as well, he's retired, so he's trying to find like a million things around the house to do. I think it gives him some structure to his week and and it, and it and it does make you sort of switch off even if it's just one night or one day so yeah yeah, yeah. the first the first lockdown um i actually uh, went out and set up my little office in the van as you say because it was because it was parked upon the drive we couldn't go anywhere we were homeschooling everyone was working from home we just didn't have the space to all be in the house so i was like <laughs> right i'm gonna go and work in the van see you later had a cup of tea oh. The Wi-Fi just about stretched to outside, so uh, yeah, it was great. You do realise you've just put the price of camper vans up by another five thousand pounds, though, don't you? By telling them you can use them as home office. Home office. <laughs> so, because you know, it's yeah, we're maybe out of lockdown today, but I don't know. I don't think things will ever be the same again. So yeah, maybe buy a few and then we'll sell them on the internet for like double the price soon next couple business, of months new business absolutely <laughs> yeah but i think it's do you know what it's sort of going back to the camper van though so this is just quite new for me really is but do you know what's really really weird it's a bit like runners isn't it so runners always sort of smile at each other and uh, and wave and and, and motorhome owners always wave at each oh, other yeah. what is that okay. even about i think it's I think it seems to be more with VWs, but, you know, every now and then we do get the odd wave from other kind of motorhomes. <laughs> but I found it's really hard to know, because obviously with, with the newer transporters, the new VW transporters, it's hard to tell whether it's a camping transporter or a tradesperson's transporter. Yeah. So you end up waving at electricians and plasters. <laughs> and they're, they're like, they don't care. <laughs> no, definitely not. That's probably how you get the door. <laughs> you can probably tell by their attire no it's, that's us we've got a stealth van so is so ours is a obviously a transporter and it just looks like you know it's just blue and it just doesn't look like anything which was which is really good because if you wanted to wild camp you could whereas you know if if you've got one of these great big motorhomes and you set out your little table and chairs and put your pop-up roof up prob- you probably are going to get turfed yeah. by the police so but um but but you're in our our size is perfect especially if you want to do some of the travelling around um, Scotland. I think not this year because it seems a bit manic with everybody that's bought motorhomes. But next year, one of my plans is is to do the uh, five hundred around the sort of drive around the top of Scotland. Because Rich and I used to live in Scotland when we were first married, and um, so we know Scotland very very well. So 
Not when the midges are about, of course. <laughs> oh, well, well that, that rules out 365 days of the year, doesn't it? It's just... <laughs> 362. Oh, but, yeah. but I've not been as far up as you sort of travelled to sort of, I can tell on the on the west coast and Fort William, and that's about as far up as we've sort of got on the west coast. I want to go up to the Isle of Arran and Skye and Harris and, and stuff. And I think you can... It's such a long drive in the in the car to get anywhere where you can stay. Whereas in your motorhome, you can break up the journey. So um, that's it. Stop off, have a cup of tea. Yeah, Sometimes. definitely. <laughs> it's that's the life, though, isn't it? That 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 it, it's yeah, it's just great. Yeah. So yeah. Well, Amanda, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Um, thank you for your top tips. Is there anything in terms of social that you that you want to give a shout out to the Holy Trinity Church project? Is there anything you want to? Yes, was I should. If they want to find out, yeah, you don't have to. I should really plug work. <laughs> no, no, it's um, no, it'd be great if if um, you follow us on Facebook. So it's seventeen nineteen. So one seven as numbers, and then nineteen as a word, and um, that should give you updates of everything that's happening with the project. We are um, planning to be. Um, opening uh, late summer so well completed late summer and with a big big launch in uh, end of November with a Georgian fair just before Christmas that would be lovely so um, yeah feel free to pop down and, and see all this glorious paintwork that I've been wittering on about so yeah and obviously we've got Twitter and Instagram which is 1719 as well so and um, yeah no follow us if you like that would be great and I will try very hard to have a Zoom-free Friday sometime soon. Definitely. I think everybody should do that. So, And think of me when you do it, Alex. So. But it's been, been lovely talking to you about uh, about happiness. Actually, you've made me happy and smile and have a bit of a laugh this afternoon. And, uh, yeah, oh, that's been good. Thanks for a good, good end to the day. Thanks. And it will set you off for the rest of the week. So that's always I hope good. so. <laughs> Definitely hope so. Uh, yeah, we start in a good right. place at the top, don't we? So yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. Take care. Welcome. All right, and you. Bye. Bye. So that was Amanda. What did people think? good chat excellent yeah yeah it was a good chat wasn't it andrea what did you think i i really loved it actually i was actually funnily enough i was in the car listening to it driving on the outskirts of sunderland so it felt like serendipity (laughs) to be there listening to amanda who's obviously living and and working out from sunderland but um i just really actually loved her journey into heritage and that being an unexpected career Mm. path for her which I could really relate to and particularly the idea that you know and perhaps I'll get into trouble for saying this that I've worked with a whole range of heritage professionals many trained and many untrained (laughs) and it's really interesting the, the ideas and the creativity that that people bring to to the sector Mm-hmm. Um, when they've had a very different kind of career path and they're bringing very different perspectives um, and ideas around engagement to it. So it was really interesting to hear her journey. Yeah, yes, thank you. 
Kath, what did you think? She did walk across the road to go from one building to another to go to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> it was a short journey in that it sense, a but uh, a longer journey uh, in others, yeah. You know, I thought it was incredibly wise, though, wasn't it, for whoever it was who said to her, go and get some interview experience. I mean, notwithstanding that she got the first job she went for, but uh, I wouldn't have had the courage to do that, I think. It was, it mm-hmm. was fascinating, yeah. And uh, I winced a bit when we got to the camper van. <laughs> <laughs> winced? <laughs> Why? I'm thinking, oh, not another one. <laughs> oh, no. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know what to say. <laughs> Deprived Alex of the gift of speech, Kath. That's, that's a I've first. aimed for this for... Four forty odd episodes, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Finally, my moment. <laughs> but but then, obviously, I'm I'm taking this slightly in a later tone. But um, it did it did at one point sound as though she had a very expensive changing room when she parked it in the <laughs> nearby and <laughs> went out and walked in the rain, which I wholly approve of, and then came back and got changed out of her wet clothes. <laughs> yeah, go go on. Go, Amanda. Go for it. You, you cannot beat making a cup of tea in a camper van on the side of side of the road or on a campsite, wherever you may be. There's just nothing better. No. Now's not the time to say we've got T5. I just, I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> We're surrounded, Kath. <laughs> right, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> It's probably for the best, Cal. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, know, I know she was kind of deferring to uh, to to Binky, Alex, your uh, your V dub. Uh, yeah. But she was saying, she, sorry, she, when she says she's got a stealth camper van, that sounds way cooler than a V dub. You know, just invisible. What? Stealth. You know, camouflaged. <laughs> what about you, Chris? What did you think? Oh, this is going to sound really posy, but. It reminded me of a poem. <laughs> oh, did it? Oh, it did, yes. I mean, the, the, the whole thing about kind of working in these fascinating church buildings was was great. And I've spent a lot of time in church buildings of different descriptions um, over my life. So I, I kind of get, you know, what, what they're like as, as, as structures and places to be. But the fact that that's, that's not a religious thing, you know, it's... What, it's it's about the space. It's about the relationships that happen in the space and um, ritual and all that sort of stuff. Which I don't think you need to believe to kind of have a um, sort of have an understanding of that. But there's a there's a really good poem by um, Philip Larkin that I remember being forced to learn at school <laughs> um, called Church Going, which is all about him sort of walking into an abandoned church and sort of imagining all the stuff that went on. He said very specifically at the time when he wrote it that this is not a religious poem. Um, it's about the space. It's about how significant they are. And so the work that she's doing, you know, kind of preserving that, you know, capturing it and preserving it for future generations, I think is hugely important. So hats, hats off yeah. to you, Amanda. Well done. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Amanda. And thank you, Andrea, Chris and Kath for your thoughts. Much appreciated. So if you've been inspired by this podcast episode, then we'd love to hear from you. We love hearing your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you. You can get in touch via email, hello at thenorthernguidetohappiness.co.uk, or you can find us on Twitter at North Happiness and Instagram and Facebook at Northern Happiness. 
We're really glad to be back spreading more joy and happiness around the Northeast, thanks to funding from the National Lottery Community Fund and the Newcastle Covid Fund. So thank you so much to our funders for their support. Next time, we have Zoe Murta, who, amongst many things, is a groups and activities worker for Newcastle Carers. We ran some happiness workshops with some of the young carers earlier this year, and it was great to meet Zoe at those sessions. We'll be talking about all sorts of things related to happiness, so make sure you tune in for this one. So you'll hear me ask questions like this. Do you see a connection then between colour and happiness? And hear Zoe give answers like this. I do. I think I'm a very visual person. I really like colour. I like filling my house with colour and I like wearing colour and I appreciate different colours sitting alongside each other. Um, so I, I, I do. I definitely do. And I think even when you kind of think of happy memories, I kind of see the colours and the smells and the tastes and try and really imagine it. So we've reached the end of another episode we hope you've enjoyed listening to the Northern Guide to Happiness so far. Take care and see you all again next week for another episode. Music